Today is Tuesday, January 14th, 2020. On this day in 1975, 17-year-old heiress Leslie Whittle was abducted from her home in the village of Hiley, England. Her kidnapping launched an enormous police investigation, but it was fraught with problems and ended in tragedy. Welcome to Today in True Crime, a ParCast original. Due to the graphic nature of today's crimes, listener discretion is advised. Extreme caution is advised for listeners under 13. Today we're covering the kidnapping of British teenager Leslie Whittle. Let's go back to 1.30 a.m. on January 14th, as Leslie's mother, Dorothy, returned home after a night out. Dorothy Whittle closed the front door to the house softly. Despite the late hour, she didn't feel tired. She eased out of her shoes and crept toward her daughter Leslie's room, where she found the 17-year-old sleeping soundly. Dorothy smiled. She was a little jealous at how easily Leslie could fall asleep. She tiptoed back into the hall, opened the door to her room, and flipped on her lamp. After brushing her teeth, she took two sleeping pills and turned off the light to go to sleep. For a while, all was quiet in the large, stately home. But soon, the night's peace was disturbed as a thin man wearing a black balaclava approached the house. The man was Donald Nielsen, a burglar and murderer also known as the Black Panther because of the color of his infamous balaclava. Having committed more than 400 break-ins without being caught, Nielsen knew exactly how to stealthily enter the Whittle's home. But tonight, he wasn't just there to steal jewelry. And he wasn't going to take any chances. He had meticulously planned the job for three years and wanted it to be the greatest he'd ever pulled. Sticking to the shadows, Nielsen cut the Whittle's phone line in case they had a burglar alarm. Then he hopped the fence in front of the house and broke into the garage. Exactly what happened next is a mystery. Nielsen's original plan was to kidnap Dorothy Whittle and demand 50,000 pounds in ransom, the equivalent of over half a million dollars today. It was a large sum, but Nielsen was confident the Whittles could afford it. George Whittle, Dorothy's late husband, had founded one of England's most successful private coach companies. And even after his hundreds of burglaries, Donald needed money. He was desperate for the ransom. So when he somehow accidentally encountered 17-year-old Leslie Whittle that night, instead of her mother, he adapted. He gagged Leslie and dragged her through the house. He then produced two identical ransom notes he had written on Dymo tape, a type of printing tape made for label makers. One of the notes was left in Leslie's room, while the second was shoved inside a box of sweets in the lounge of the house. Then Nielsen took his captive outside. Leslie, scared for her life, was ushered into his small green car wearing only her dressing gown. Nielsen tied her up and raced to a nearby park. 
There, he forced Leslie down a drainage shaft connected to a reservoir. He covered her head with a hood, ripped off her dressing gown, and wrapped one end of a wire around her neck. He fastened the other end of the wire to the shaft, ensuring she couldn't move far without strangling herself. Donald showed the girl a mattress and sleeping bag he had previously left in the shaft, and then he was gone. Leslie was left alone in the shaft, nude, with her face completely covered. Hours later, her mother, Dorothy, awoke and made breakfast. When she went to check on Leslie, she found her daughter's bedroom empty. Then she found the ransom note, written on a roll of tape nearly six feet long. The note asked for 50,000 pounds in ransom and warned Dorothy not to call the police. It instructed her to wait for a phone call at a telephone box in a nearby shopping center that night. On the verge of tears, Dorothy rushed downstairs to call Leslie's adult brother, Ronald. But Nielsen had cut the line before he broke in, and Dorothy couldn't reach her son. Without changing out of her dressing gown, she jumped in her car and sped over to Ronald's house. Despite the ransom note's warnings, Ronald phoned authorities, who officially launched an investigation. The search for Leslie Whittle and the hunt for the Black Panther was on. Coming up, we discuss the tragic aftermath of Leslie's abduction. Now, back to the story. On the morning of January 14, 1975, 17-year-old British heiress Leslie Whittle was kidnapped from her home in Highley, England. Her mother, Dorothy, discovered her missing. She and Leslie's older brother, Ronald, called the West Mercia Police Department, who immediately launched a full-scale investigation. But the inquiry was fraught from the beginning. The kidnapper, Donald Nielsen, had left a ransom note instructing the Whittle family to wait for a call at a nearby telephone booth that evening. But he had also warned against calling police. As such, authorities initially planned on keeping a low profile. They believed they could convince Donald that the family was acting without police assistance. But their ruse didn't last for long. Somehow, the story leaked to the press. It ran on the news that very night, blowing the police's cover. As a result, Nielsen didn't call the phone booth as planned. The Whittle family waited in agony for nearly two days before finally receiving a call on January 16th around midnight. Dorothy listened as a recording of her daughter was played over the phone. Leslie said in the recording that she was unharmed and begged her family to do whatever the kidnapper asked. She then said her captor demanded someone in the family bring the ransom money to a new telephone box as soon as possible. Leslie's brother Ronald volunteered to take the money to the phone booth. The police spent the next two hours securing the area to ensure the kidnapper wouldn't be frightened away and Ronald wouldn't be in any danger. Around 1.30 a.m. on January 17th, Ronald left the police station with the ransom. 
But finding the phone booth didn't prove to be as straightforward as he hoped. He hadn't spent much time in the area and got lost on the way. He arrived at the booth late, and it took him another half hour to find the hidden message. It was written on Dymo tape, just like the ransom note, and it instructed Ronald to go to a nearby park, turn down a lane, and flash his lights. Ronald rushed to the indicated spot in the park, but once again got lost trying to flash his lights at the proper point. Over an hour and a half late and frantic, Ronald left his car and shouted out for his sister. He received no answer. Eventually, he drove back to meet up with police. Authorities suspected an errant patrol car belonging to another police department may have scared the kidnapper off. After that night, the Whittles didn't hear anything from the kidnapper for another week. Then another local police department contacted West Mercia detectives. They had found a cassette tape with a recording of Leslie Whittle's voice in an abandoned car near a train station. Police found additional evidence in the car linking the unidentified Black Panther burglar to the tape and went on national television to report their findings. Afterward, a school principal came forward with a new message written on Dymo tape and a flashlight some of his students had found in a nearby park. He hadn't turned in the items before because he didn't realize they could be related to Leslie's disappearance until the press conference. In March of 1975, almost two months after Leslie's kidnapping, police searched the park. Eventually, they uncovered the drainage shaft where Leslie was being kept. Unfortunately, they found the girl's body dangling from the wire noose. She had been dead for days. Over 400 police officers searched for the murderer over the next few months. They interviewed hundreds of witnesses and suspects, but ended up with few leads until December. In the town of Mansfield, over 80 miles from the site of Leslie's abduction, two officers apprehended a suspicious man carrying a sawed-off shotgun. The man turned out to be Donald Nielsen. His fingerprints matched some found in the drainage shaft, and he confessed to kidnapping Leslie. Nielsen was convicted of murder and given a life sentence. Though nothing could undo the mistakes made along the way, in the end, justice caught up to him. He died in prison in December of 2011. Hopefully, the fact that he was kept from hurting anyone else in his final years served as a small comfort to the families of his victims. Thanks for listening to Today in True Crime. I'm Vanessa Richardson. Today in True Crime is a ParCast original. You can find more episodes of Today in True Crime and all other ParCast originals for free on Spotify. Not only does Spotify already have all of your favorite music, but now Spotify is making it easy for you to enjoy all of your favorite ParCast originals, like Today in True Crime, for free from your phone, desktop, or smart speaker. To stream Today in True Crime on Spotify, just open the app and type Today in True Crime in the search bar. At ParCast, we're grateful for you, our listeners. You allow us to do what we love. 
let us know how we're doing. Reach out on Facebook and Instagram at Parcast and Twitter at Parcast Network. We'll be back with a brand new episode tomorrow in True Crime. Today in True Crime was created by Max Cutler and is a Parcast Studios original. It is executive produced by Max Cutler, sound designed by Carrie Murphy, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Carly Madden, Isabella Way, and Joel Stein. This episode of Today in True Crime was written by Terrell Wells, with writing assistance by Maggie Admire. I'm Vanessa Richardson. 